Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Welcome back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. We have a fantastic show tonight. We are getting the chat with Topeka's Deputy Mayor, Spencer Duncan, to get an update on how things are going at the City Council. And, of course, we've got our beer flight of the night to recap the latest and greatest in state and local government. But first, we start, as we always do, with beer. Uh, and tonight, we're excited to actually welcome back to the show Chef Adam from the White Linen. Adam, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's exciting. Things are slow. Slowly but surely starting to return to some kind of normalcy uh, in the world. How have things been for you guys at, at the White Linen? Yeah, yeah. Things are kind of getting back to normal and, and just been, you know, January kind of slowed down like every other place. And then, you know, Valentine's Day comes and and picks right back up. So um, things things have been going good. It's been busy. They're good busy. So Awesome. Hey, that's good. The busy is what we like to hear in that case. <laughs> yeah. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Well, you know, tonight we're actually excited because we get to talk with you uh, about another uh, really super cool project uh, that you're taking on. Uh, talk to us about the Knox Cocktail Bar and Lounge. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of our, our new concept that um, should be taking place in late March. Awesome. Um, hopefully. And, and just, yeah, you know, like everyone who knows me and knows about the white linen, you know, we always try to bring some new stuff for, for Topeka and, and all of our guests that live here in Topeka. And so, you know, a cocktail bar was something that I think would just go really good in Topeka. And so, you know, it's going to be opening, you know, same building, same Colombian building. Um, it's just right across the hall. So, uh, when you come have dinner to the white linen, you know, the, the knocks will be, will be open, um, right across the hallway. So we're just doing a whole new concept on a new high end cocktail bar. Um, just something super nice, super special. Um, more of an experience just like the white London is, um, but with cocktails. Um, so just, just been putting a lot of work into that and, and wanting to really surprise Topeka with this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, you know, there's not really, there really isn't an actual just cocktail bar, straight cocktail bar in downtown yet. Yeah. Yeah. Topeka, you know, we, we have like a couple places to go get cocktails and stuff, but we don't have just a, a, a cocktail bar that just solely focuses on cocktails. So, um, you know, my, my team and my staff, you know, they, they love experimenting with cocktails and, and doing some really cool stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I want to do something else for Topeka. And, and so we talked about doing this cocktail bar. So yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be cool. I'm excited. That's awesome. And you know, it's, it's so cool that it's going to be right in the Columbian bank building too. Um, you know, just right next to white linen. So using that same, you know, that same space, you know, why, why was it so important to you to, to be able to continue, you know, your work in that building? Yeah. Yeah. The it's, yeah, the, the, that building is just the, just an awesome historical building. And, you know, so the, the white linen, the, the Knox cocktail bar is almost like a mirror image of the whole layout. And so, okay. 
you know, it'll be, it'll be super small, super intimate, just like the restaurant is, you know, it's going to be seat 20, 22 to 24 people, um, in the bar. So again, it's super small, um, but it'll be open to the public. You know, there's no reservation. It's kind of first come first serve. Well, that's great. So, you know, folks are, for instance, if they're going to Whiteland and then I take it, they can, you know, chill out in, over at the docks and grab a drink or something while they wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like the whole, whole process that I wanted to do is, you know, that people that show up a little bit early, um, they can have a drink over in the lounge and my staff can come over there and get them when their table is ready, you know, or, or vice versa, you know, when, when people's having dinner and they're done with dinner, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have like a little nightcap and they can walk across the hallway and, and have a cocktail before they go home and stuff like that. So they don't have to leave to, to go to a different place or stuff like that. You know, I want to, offer offer Topeka something really cool at the same spot so no one has to really travel a lot and stuff like that it'll be all the all the one one stop at the Columbian building oh that's awesome and I know you mentioned you're hard at work on that when you guys anticipate being able to open um, well, like they're, my contractor's hard at work, you know, we're adding a whole nother bathroom into that, the, the cocktail bar. So that way that whole bottom floor has two bathrooms instead of just the one. Um, so we're, we're still aiming for like the end of March, probably the end of March, maybe the first of April, but you know, it's something that I, I really am excited about. I love, I love what the whole, how it's coming along and stuff. And it's nothing that I want to rush to open. Um, it's something that I just kind of want to take, take my time with and, you know, do a couple soft openings and, and stuff like that, just so we kind of get all those kinks worked out and stuff like that. But, um, it'll, I just, I'll just tell Topeka that it'll be worth the wait for sure. Awesome. That sounds so cool. And how much fun must it be too to get to kind of experiment, uh, with, uh, different kinds of cocktails? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, again, that's the thing with Topeka, you know, like with the white linen, it's, you know, I, I love what I do for Topeka just because it's, you know, it's Topeka's never had, you know, Topeka's had its, had its nice places and they've had, you know, places to go get cocktails, but you know, like the white linen is just like, you know, we try to push that envelope. It's fun to kind of educate Topeka and the surrounding areas like Manhattan and Lawrence, you know, just about like some, just some cool cocktails. And, and, you know, I did an interview uh, with the newspaper the other day and they interviewed me and they kind of just asked about, you know, what, what I would like to say to, you know, the city of Topeka about like what to expect from these, these, this cocktail bar and stuff. And, you know, my, my whole thing that I pitched to them and told them was just, you know, Topeka just to have patience you know, just, just because, you know, some of these good cocktails, they have a bunch of ingredients in them and, and they take time and, you know, like that's what we want to do. We want to give Topeka like some cool, really cool, unique cocktails. So, um, we're going to, they know they need to bust their butt to get cocktails out to people. Um, but it'll, like I said, like I said in the beginning, it'll be worth the wait to, to come and have drinks there for sure. That's awesome. Well, I know we're excited. So that's, that's going to be, that's going to be way cool. Oh, and then of course, you know, you've got, you've got that going on. And of course there's still lots of things happen um, over at the white linen too. And so uh, speaking of the white linen, any new new specials or new things coming that, that you want people to know about? 
Um, just the new March menus drop in, um, Wednesday. So, I mean, I can't believe February is already over with and, um, but March is upon us. March new menu, the new menu drops Wednesday. Um, something just super cool about March is I teamed up with, um, next gen cattle company. So, um, they're out of like Maple Hill and stuff and they do a bunch of like awesome, beef and wagyu stuff and so we're doing a feature on uh on our march menu with wagyu beef so uh, anybody that's in topeka that wants an awesome steak and and want to try some good wagyu we got it very cool well adam thank you and so much for for hanging out with us today we can't wait to go over and give the knocks a try yeah yeah sounds good well thank you so much for having me on and and yeah hopefully the end of march uh the city of topeka will have a new cocktail bar absolutely yeah for those out there listening make sure to follow uh the white linen on social media they do a great job of keeping people up to date um, on social media with the latest and greatest that's happening and i'm sure you'll be able to find updates um, on the knox cocktail bar as well all kinds of exciting things coming to downtown so go ahead and stay tuned up next we will have after the break our beer flight of the night where we'll recap all the latest crazy this in state and local government. Remember, you're listening to Ballads and Brews here on KSAP 75 Live Radio. Seven Eight Five Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com, and thanks for tuning in. All right, everyone, it's that time of night for our beer flight of the night, our recap of everything going on at the local and state levels of government. We're going to start off with local government. Of course, we've got the city manager, Pale Ale. Uh, yes, this week was the latest in city manager watch uh, as we keep tabs on the city's process uh, towards getting a new city manager hired. Um, at this last Tuesday city council meeting, council members reviewed responses to the request for proposal that the city issued to find a search firm that will then help us find the new city manager. So just as a reminder of where we're at, um, when you've got a big shot position like the city manager, it's common practice for cities to hire a search firm to conduct a national search to find a suitable candidate for the position. Uh, so Topeka has set out to find themselves a search firm for this purpose. Uh, there were actually four firms that responded to the city's RFP and the council members were a little less than excited about their options. Uh, the city, as I mentioned, got four responses. One uh, was a Topeka firm called Kansas Professional Services, uh, which is uh, actually the firm here in town that is known as Premier Employment Solutions um, or Key Staffing. Apparently, they've got different identities depending on what kind of services they're uh, they're providing. Um, so we've got that one, a local firm, uh, one firm out of California, and two firms out of Illinois, uh, one of which said that they could have a Topeka representative uh, work here with us. Uh, now, you'll remember the city council was pretty adamant that if we could find a local firm to do the search, that would be preferable. Uh, the cost for the firms ranged from $23,000 on the low end to upwards of $45,000 at the high end. Uh, so we're talking some big time money. Uh, and some of the firms also include additional charges for expenses and hourly fees as well. Uh, so first off, uh, if anyone is looking for a job change, might I suggest the lucrative world of government executive recruiting? Uh, so uh, the council did actually pick one of the firms at last week's meeting. It was just a discussion item for now. Um, and as far as that discussion goes, you know, some of you may remember former President Bill Clinton's infamous statement, it depends on what the meaning of is is. Uh, well, last Tuesday, there was a lot of discussion about what the meaning of local is. Uh, there's, first off, genuine disappointment from several council members about the overall lack of responses. 
uh, to the RFP, and some speculated if the wording in the RFP that emphasized local uh, firms might have turned off some other firms from applying, maybe even some other Kansas firms, like those in the Kansas City or Wichita area that might have thought that the local uh, definition meant just as local as in Topeka, and maybe uh, excluded some Kansas firms that kind of self-exclude themselves from applying. Uh, one thing I can tell you, there was not a lot of love for the idea of choosing one of these big shot search firms from outside the community. Now you have to remember for some context here, a couple of these council members, um, including Karen Hiller, Sylvia Ortiz, Mike Lesser, and even Mayor Padilla, for them, this isn't their first rodeo of hiring a city manager, so they've had some experience to bear on this issue. Uh, Councilman Lesser went so far as to say that basically, considering the track record of our last couple of city managers, all of whom have left after just a few years and were recruited by some of these big firms, maybe we should try something different. Uh, Councilman Dobler talked about the possibility of some kind of hybrid option where maybe city staff could do some work in conjunction with the hiring firm. Uh, a couple of council members made the point that, look, these firms are all going to do the same thing. They're going to look for another city manager somewhere in the country who is getting close to the end of their term, and they're going to try to lure them to Topeka, where, which may just really end up being a stop on their path to somewhere else in their career. Um, and you guys, this is hashtag Top City. We want someone who's actually going to spend some time here because we've got a lot of good things going on in this community. Uh, for his part, interim city manager Bill Cochran did have a recommendation for city staff. Uh, his recommendation was actually that he feels that the city has competent staff, uh, that the city staff could really handle this task themselves without needing to bring in any kind of search firm. Uh, this would allow city staff the opportunity to recruit, recruit locally and go outside kind of the traditional parameters of who to look at um, in a city manager search. Uh, Councilman Everson actually repeated a preference that's been expressed previously by a lot of other council members that we really try to look for folks who aren't in the traditional, don't come from, I think he used the term central casting, uh, for what you think of as a city manager. So, you know, thinking about people who might have been leaders in business or leaders in other organizations who know how to organize people and lead people and, and make big things happen instead of the kind of traditional uh, government bureaucrat type folks that we normally get for that, that role. Uh, there was some interest in the interim city manager's recommendation, uh, though Councilwoman Valdivia Alcala did have one particularly interesting perspective uh, this year. She noted that kind of in our in our quest to, to keep things local as we go throughout this process, uh, there could be a worry that things could be too local, um, i.e. that this could turn into kind of a political inside baseball kind of process by keeping things really close to the vest, uh, so, which is an interesting uh, perspective. You know, there is something to be said for having some kind of neutral party, perhaps, um, uh, playing a role in all this. Uh, she also did note that city staff are pretty busy right now. And so adding this responsibility on top of all that could be could be pretty tough for them. Uh, so like we mentioned before, no decision made last Tuesday. The council is going to continue discussing this issue at tomorrow's meeting. Uh, once they decide who, whether it's a local firm, a national firm, city staff, or some hybrid, um, is doing the search, then we get to move on to the actual search for candidates. So stay tuned because the fun is just getting started. Uh, as for our friends at the state level, we start off with our Supreme IPA. 
so because there isn't enough uh, going on with, oh, let's see, about two months left in the legislative session, uh, Senate President Ty Masterson decided he'd drop in a piece of legislation that would amend the Kansas Constitution to change the process for how Kansas Supreme Court members are approved. Uh, so quick background. Uh, this is how the process works right now. There is a nine-member Supreme Court nominating commission. The commission is made up of two people from each of Kansas's congressional districts. We have four districts all together. There is one lawyer and one non-lawyer from each congressional district plus a chairperson for a commission who is a lawyer. So you've got this nine-member commission, uh, two members from each congressional district, one lawyer, one non-lawyer um, from each congressional district. Uh, that commission then narrows down the list of candidates uh, to three, um, and they send that list to the governor, who then selects one lucky person from the list, and congrats, that person gets a job for life and a sweet new robe to wear. Um, all you have to do after that is you stand in a retention election every six years where voters just say either yes or no, which rather you should keep your job. Uh, this is probably the part of the ballot that you get to at the end of your voting when you're like, who are these people? And then you probably say yes to everyone except maybe one just to keep it kind of cool and keep it, keep it sassy. Uh, so a uh, nine member commission of experts and community members that conducts a thorough review of candidates. Sounds pretty cool, right? Well, apparently not so much, according to Senator Masterson. Uh, as the Kansas Reflector reports, Masterson's amendment would shift the process to one of two models, either the federal model, uh, wherein the governor would nominate someone and the Senate would then confirm them, or, and here is where I feel like I need to take a drink or a shot or something, direct election of Supreme Court members. Yes, having candidates for Supreme Court actually campaign, like with yard signs and everything, to sit on the Supreme Court. Having those responsible with a fair and impartial administration of justice have to raise money and actively campaign for their job? What could go wrong? Uh, supporters of the measure noted, among other things, that they felt the Supreme Court had gone too far in some of its recent decisions and relied upon, quote, very liberal papers that don't truly represent the history and the understanding and the culture of Kansas. Uh, a friendly PSA here, uh, judges are not in any way required to carry out whatever the popular will of the people is. Um, in fact, in some ways, that is actually the complete opposite of what judges are supposed to do. And in fact, they're actually supposed to be a safeguard from the popular will of folks. But I digress. Uh, other proponents uh, noted that the Kansas Senate could do just as good a job as, as the nominating commission at vetting nominees. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna present that one without comment. Uh, several senators asked, uh, really, probably the most important question here: Why can't we just make updates to the nominating commission itself? That would seem a lot easier and less dramatic of a change uh, to make to make one, to make a change to the nominating commission uh, than either one of those amendments. We've got a body here that's been working pretty well um, for for the last several years, and so why not just change the membership or how that that body works? Uh, uh, now, as a reminder, for either of those amendments to make it to the ballot, they would need approval from two-thirds of both chambers, and then they would go on the August primary election ballot for people to vote on. Which actually brings up another kind of complication. Assuming these measures pass this month, that would give us just five months for the general population to get up to speed on what these measures are. Um, and, and let's be real, these are very nerdy insider technical changes uh, that we're going to give folks a few months to, to really get up to speed on. 
And that's on top of another constitutional amendment related to abortion that's also going to be on the ballot this summer and also isn't the easiest for lay people to digest. Um, and of course, there's the issue that voter turnout in the primary election is way lower than the general election. But then again, I suppose that's probably the point, isn't it? Uh, anywho, next up we have the How Low Will It Go Sour. Uh, this is, of course, in reference to the state sales tax on food, uh, which the governor, both parties, and my mother would all like to see go to 0%. Uh, while there have been several bills introduced on this topic, none as of yet have made it out of any committees. Uh, this week we actually had two new bills introduced in the House Taxation Committee, House Bill 2711 and House Bill 2720. Uh, both Florida food sales tax in their own unique way. Uh, the Kansas Reflector has some great reporting on both of these measures. Uh, House Bill 2720 um, gets it done right away by lowering the tax to 0% as of August 1st. Um, and in that bill, that measure would apply to all food that qualifies for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the SAP program, uh, which is a pretty much a good chunk of the food in our local grocery stores today. The House Bill 2711 gets a little more complicated. Uh, it gradually lowers the rate to 0% over time. It first would cut the rate from the current 6.5% to 3.5% on July 1st, and then it lowers it incrementally each year, so long as the state's rainy day fund has at least $100 million saved in it. Once the rate gets to zero, it would stay there permanently. The earliest this could happen would be, I think, January 1st, 2026. Now, has the state's rainy day fund ever had $100 million in it? Well, no, but here we are. Uh, now you have to understand the thing that, that's happened here that's kind of thrown a wrench in, in plans and got everyone kind of spooked um, is that the legislature you know, passed this mega project bill a couple of weeks ago that contains billions of dollars worth of tax incentives for this mystery company that is still considering coming to Kansas. Uh, eliminating the sales tax on food is expected to eliminate around $400 million in state revenue in its first year. And since we're in this weird habit of not wanting to spend more than we have in our budget, that's got some legislators a little nervous. Um, interestingly, you all will recall just a few weeks ago, we had on this show actually John Wilson with Kansas Action for Children, um, and KEC actually testified in favor of uh, House Bill 2711, the bill that gradually lowers uh, the tax, which prompted this interesting exchange uh, between KEC's representative and state representative Stephanie Clayton. Uh, KEC was basically arguing that ratcheting down the tax gradually was the most responsible path forward, because while families uh, do need tax relief now, if we move too quickly and cut ourselves short in the state budget, that could then force budget cuts that would in turn be harmful to the families that KAC serves. Uh, Representative Clayton was bothered by, I think what she felt were lots of people that were focusing on all kinds of what ifs. Um, as the Kansas Reflector reports, at one point she said, quote, we have a great deal of unknown variables. We could be at nuclear war for, you know, who knows. All kinds of different things can happen. I think that is appropriate for organizations who are advocating for certain things to focus on those things and not to speculate. Hashtag awkward. Uh, so that's where we're at right now. Um, all I have to say is that if legislators don't figure this out in like the next month, I'm going to have no other option but to send in Mama Romero to get the job done. And listen, she'll bake you all some cookies and we'll be real nice, but then she's going to call a joint session of the legislature and she's going to go down to the well of the house and stand at the podium and tell you how much it costs her to buy all the ingredients for those cookies. And then she's going to ask what you're going to do about it. And let me tell you, ain't no one leaving that chamber until you have a plan. Yeah, you've heard of a call of the house before. You've never 
experienced a call of the Linda before, and that's a whole other ball game, my friends. And finally, our last beer on tonight's flight is the Light 'em Up Porter. Uh, I just had to include this one as a special shout out to my hometown. If you have lived in Topeka long enough to experience the Fourth of July or New Year's or really any professional Kansas sports team winning a major championship, then you know there's one thing this city loves even more than the Gage Park Mini Train, and that is fireworks. It doesn't matter the time of year. Whenever there is cause for celebration, I've learned that people have a stockpile of munitions that they clearly have saved up from Fourth of July to light the sky up with celebrations. Well, the Kansas legislature is looking to make it a little easier for you to score your fireworks year-round. Uh, currently, retailers in Kansas can only sell fireworks from June 27th to July 5th. But under Senate Bill 378, retailers could sell fireworks year-round. Uh, the aim of this bill is to make Kansas a little bit more competitive in the fireworks game. Uh, for instance, Missouri has a law that allows for year-round fireworks sales. And of course, as a general rule, I feel like our laws have to be at least one step better than anything Missouri has. Uh, so that right there can be justification enough. Uh, now, there were some concerns. Uh, for instance, some committee members uh, worried about the potential of starting fires year-round due to fireworks. Um, others worried about the impacts uh, on uh, livestock that react negatively to fireworks. There's a lot of people that dread the 4th of July uh, because they know the impact that fireworks have on, on their animals and that sort of thing. So there's still some details to work out. Uh, so stay tuned, my fellow Topekans. We may just be one step closer to being able to refresh your seemingly limitless supply of fireworks year-round. And for those of us out there, I am not kidding. We have a place in town that had a fireworks display for Easter. There's an Italian festival at a church here that ends their festival with a fireworks display. I once took my parents to a Christmas fireworks show at my church here in Topeka where shrapnel from fireworks literally rained down on top of us. Did anyone leave? No, because that's how we roll in Top City. And that, folks, is our beer flight of the night. Stay tuned. After this break, we are going to be back with Topeka's Deputy Mayor, Spencer Duncan. We have a lot to talk about with him, so stay tuned. You're listening to Balance of Brews here on KSEF 75 live radio all right folks well we are back and excited to take a dive into things once again at the city council uh level we've been talking with our friends from the state legislature for the last couple of weeks we want to dive back into uh things happening right here in top city and to to do that we've got none other than city councilman and deputy mayor spencer duncan with us tonight spencer thanks for hanging out with us Glad to be back. I always assume if I'm back on, somebody dropped out, and you're like, oh, Duncan will do it. So oh, it's fine with me. You know, I don't care what it takes any, any, by any means. Oh, no, you've, got, you've always got a standing, a standing invite to come and, come and hang out with us. Uh, and you've actually you've got a promotion since, uh, since last time we talked. So Deputy Mayor Duncan, that's, that's pretty sweet. I did, and it was it was truly unexpected. The way the council does it is, you go by whoever hasn't been deputy mayor yet, um, who's been on the council the longest at that point. And yeah. technically, Mike Lesser and both Neil, him and Neil Dobler were in front of me, but Mike's both of them have had some. I think Neil's going to retire in a couple years from his job, so he's focused on that. And oh, sure. uh, Mike's got a new 
new path in his career, and they said, "We this is not a good year for us, and so suddenly, there I was, deer in the headlights, and before I knew it, I was deputy mayor. Perfectly glad to do it. It was a little bit humbling, but I, I'm happy to step in. Hey, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, you want to remind folks, what's, really, what's kind of involved in that role? It does actually have some responsibilities. I think people forget sometimes the mayor's office is distinctly different than the council yeah. members. Um, we have our own individual in our staff. We have our own committees. We have some of our own work. And so when you serve as deputy mayor, it's your job to, to make sure all that keeps moving. So that the committees are meeting, priorities of the council are getting done, staff is doing what they're supposed to on our end. And then there's always the calls. The mayor is unavailable to attend this function. Can you please fill in? So, yeah. so it's sort of that dual role. But yeah, we we are separate from the from the mayor's office. Absolutely. Well, and, you know we're we're you know a couple months into the year now of having a, a new mayor and uh, one new colleague on the city council. And of course, we've got an interim city manager uh, right now while we search for a, a permanent uh, person in that role. So kind of a kind of sort of new uh, new team here, new crew these first couple months. So how's everything been going? with the, the new crew put together? Well, it's definitely a different dynamic just because, as with any change, you're going to have that. Just by having virtue of a new mayor and an interim city count or city manager, that's just different. Yeah. Not better, not worse, just different. So you kind of figure out, okay, this is how these folks do things or would like things to do or what their priorities are. I think it has helped immensely that Mayor Padilla was already on the council, so yeah. he knew what was going on and what was happening. And I think it has helped that... Uh, having Bill Cochran step in, being an internal city manager as opposed to an external person, which we talked about, because again, he can keep things moving. There hasn't yeah. been this period of having to adjust everybody. And so then Brett Kell comes in as the new council member and he has his learning curve, obviously, um, but he's done pretty well so far with that. And so it's not like we have four, three, four new members and we're trying to all scramble. It's a lot of the same people. So a lot of carryover has actually really helped us um, be functional yeah. and get things done as opposed to having this waiting period of when you guys going to get to that. <laughs> right, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's because you guys have wasted no time because there has been uh, a lot of stuff uh, that's come up in these uh, these first couple months, you know, not the least of which is uh, what to do with $45 million that, that got, uh, you know, that, that we were fortunate to get through the American Rescue Plan Act. It's not every day that you get $45 million from the federal government. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good deal. So, y'all, now the question is how to, you know, what to do with that? And that's what that, what I know y'all have been working on the last couple months. So can you talk about, you know, what's it like trying to split up those dollars? And, and are you kind of satisfied with the process that they guys have in place now? Yeah, I, I am. But I, I mean, I'll tell you, it's it's um, involved as much discernment on my end as anything has since I got on the council a couple years ago, because yeah. we don't want to mess this up. We want to yeah. make sure those dollars benefit the community and go to real areas of need. We, we made the first big decision, and that was that the community bucket, I was we've been calling it, <laughs> it will have $10 million in it, and the rather 35 and change million will go towards infrastructure projects. Mm. Um, that's not as sexy to say, oh, we're going to do infrastructure with $35 million. Sure. I will tell you this, it is a priority of this council, including folks like me who are on the west side of town, to make sure that that $35 million goes to areas that need it more than we do. Mm. So whether that's Oakland, East Topeka, North Topeka, those areas that sure. have sat there and said, hey, this road's really needed <laughs> for a long time. We've got pipes that are hitting literally 100 years old sure. that need repair. So I believe you will see a priority to those areas. Areas. Um, 
that's also going to help reduce debt. It means we don't have to bond that money. Mm. And over time, it'll take a few years, three to five, before we really see that. But that's going to be huge on our budget to make sure that if we don't have to take out more debt, that frees up money to spend on areas we really want to spend it in. So it's getting people to think a little bit long term. Now, in regards to the $10 million, that process has just begun. In <laughs> fact, um, the Policy and Finance Committee, of which I'm currently the chair, will start the process of the application. Um, we're gonna ha- we're gonna start having that conversations. We will come up with an application that we will forward on to the full council for consideration. I believe my goal as chair is to have two public meetings to hear from the public as to what they think that application should ask. Sure. We'll hope to announce those this week or in the coming week. Um, And then we'll go from there. That money really hasn't been decided. It really will be a process. It is going to take several months. So I know it's the one thing nobody (laughs) has, but I get it. Patience. (laughs) I promise we are going to do all that in the open and we're going to do it in public and we're going to listen to folks as we do it. I know it's not as much as people wanted, um, but man, it's it's not nothing either. The third thing I'll say on all this is I think there's a misconception. The state of Kansas is going to get a lot of money for infrastructure from Congress and and President Biden's infrastructure package. But as of today, the city of Topeka is not guaranteed one dollar of that money. Mm -hmm. It will be an application and grant process, and I expect us to get something. But for folks who have said to me, we're, we're spending $35 million on infrastructure, but aren't we going to get all this money from the feds? The answer is no. I, don't, <laughs> I have to assume we're going to get none until we get something sure. because we really are guaranteed nothing. And that that has been a big consideration of how we divvied up these funds. Sure, sure. Well, and yeah, and, you know, it's, it's been interesting, too. You know, of course, the county side is going through their process of, uh, of kind of thinking about how to use their dollars. You know, there's several pots of money that are kind of at play here, and so kind of figuring out interaction of, of how, how to do all that in a strategic way and, and complement each other you know, on, on both sides. So it's, it's tricky, to say the least. It is tricky, and, and um, I think the county's process has been pretty deliberative, but I it, it could probably be a little less confusing. I don't think it's, <laughs> I, I think people are kind of wondering where some of those dollars are going and what their process is, and so uh, I, I don't think they're doing anything quiet, but I also think it could be, you know, get a little more input from people because they got a lot too. They got $36 million. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and it's, and, you know, that's, that's uh, I will say the one, one positive thing to come out of COVID, you know, is that, that we have now, you know, so many ways for things to, for government to be shared. You know, when I think about all the meetings down our stream on YouTube and all the access that people have now compared to just a few years ago, it's pretty, pretty amazing to think about. Well, and there's no shortage of needs. I mean, that's the frustrating thing. I mean, we, we could spend all $46 million on things and still say, oh, that program still could use – There's right. somebody's going to get left out. Yeah. You know, I, I do think what the council has talked about and probably will be important moving forward is – we want to be careful that that money doesn't start new programs. Mm. We want it to enhance and benefit current programs. Sure. Because the biggest fear is if someone comes to us and says, give me money, I'm going to start this great program. That's great. But in three years when they run out of money, right. they're going to come back to us and say, hey, that was a great program. Can you <laughs> give us more money? And we're going to say, well, we told you this was one-time money. We yeah. don't have it. And so, you know, there's a lot of great programs that we hope to enhance from at least my perspective and I know some of my colleagues. If you come to us with a completely new program, 
it's going to be a little up, more uphill battle. Sure. Well, and you know, that equity piece that you mentioned too earlier is, is really important too when we think about, especially on the infrastructure side of things too, about how we how we uh, you know take advantage of the opportunity to make some of those investments um, in parts of the city that, that people uh, maybe think haven't been always invested in or where people know that there's been kind of some little long-term needs in. Yeah, and, and some of them won't really see it until we actually put a shovel in the ground right. and show them, you know, and that could be two years away because those projects are going to take a little time. But yeah. we really need to get those things bonded now because, uh, as everyone knows, the price of stuff is going up every day. Yeah. And we, we want that dollar to go as far as we can. Absolutely. Well, and, and of course, this was just one, one of many issues um, that, that you all have been working on these last uh, couple of months. Um, you know, we talked about, of course, we have an interim city manager right now. And so we're in the, the process of that, that search right now. So now I think tomorrow night at, at council, you all are reviewing uh, submissions from uh, search firms that responded to the city's RFP uh, to, to begin that process. Um, so, you know, as you, I think there's a couple of different firms that, that responded. So these, as you look at these search firms for the, the city manager, you know, what kinds of, of qualities, where are you looking for, you know, as you review those search firms and ultimately, you know, what are you, what kind of qualities do you think would be helpful in a city manager? Yeah, the city manager search firm we'll, we'll talk about, and, and we, that was a sealed process. And I think they just maybe unsealed those. So yeah. we're, we're going to learn tomorrow night at the council meeting, like everybody else, who those are and, yeah. and who's interested. And so I'm just as curious as everybody else to unwrap <laughs> those, unseal those, uh, and see who, who wants the gig. I know there's been great importance on us using a local search firm mm-hmm. um, because we want somebody who understands Topeka. The thought there being, if you understand Topeka, you'll kind of know what to look for in someone who can best serve Topeka. Sure, <laughs> right. I mean, we're hope we're right. I mean, I guess we couldn't be wrong, but are we, <laughs> we're going to go down that with that uh, goal of mine. Um, so that's why we focused on getting someone local. Um, originally, we had a conversation about them having needing to have placed a city manager before, and we all said, well, wait a minute. Why? That's not something a lot of local firms are going to have experience. <laughs> and, and so what we came down on, which goes to one of the things that we've got to have is it's got to be someone who can manage people. Mm. Um, uh, clearly, we need a city manager who understands the various parts of, of what it, this entails to run a city. But part of that is just knowing how to manage good people who know how to run their department. Yeah. I don't need a city manager who's a complete expert on public works or knows everything about utilities. They got to have they got to understand that stuff conceptually. But I need them to understand what it takes to identify a good person to run those departments mm. or a good way to run those departments and yeah. to make sure that your staff is happy and doing what they're supposed to and that they know how to recognize people because if you don't then things don't run well and it trickles all the way down through through all those departments and you get unhappy city employees and they get frustrated and we're not supporting them as as a as a city council so that's a key quality uh, that i'm going to look for as we go through this process i will say this I think the direction from my perspective, and we haven't had this conversation yet as a council, is while we've hired a local search firm and our first priority is to them to start searching locally for somebody, mm-hmm. I don't think we should tell them you can only hire someone from the Topeka area or the Lawrence, you know, sure. within 50 miles. Um, they may find somebody and I want somebody who, who knows Topeka or at least love wants to be here but I want them to just find people they think are a good fit for Topeka sure. so if they find someone from a couple states over from my perspective that's okay because we hired someone local but we may find someone local we, it's, it's going to be a fascinating process I'm kind of <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to it in some degree you know, to get Absolutely. in there and do the work. Well, and, you know, you're, it's it's a kind of unique skill set too. You know, it is it's it's a CEO type role in a lot of ways, but then there's so much about uh, you know about uh, a, a local government that's unique as well too. So it's this kind of unique blend of of skill set. Well, and it's tougher too than if you just hired someone to run your company because yeah. even a company may have a board of directors and they they answer that board and have to work with them. So in that case, this is you know the council can serve as your board of directors. But the extra component of that, and and I don't want to call citizens customers because I think they're more than that. <laughs> right. But you have to be able to deal with citizen input yeah. and understand what their needs are and be responsive to what people want. You can't just come in and say, "Well, I was hired to run this city and whatever." the rest of you think I don't care that's not that's not what this job is if you want to do that great go become the CEO of a company where they'll let you do that this is a collaborative process that involves citizens elected officials and your city manager and and I think sometimes we've struggled with that since this form of government has been put in place and so I hope this new person that's going to be a focus too do you understand this the yes the buck stops with you there are certain decisions we will lean on you to make that's your expertise but it's also a collaborative process absolutely well for anyone listening out there if uh this sounds like the job for you stay tuned uh that's right <laughs> you might have some, an opportunity to apply here shortly uh, I, think we, I think we sold that position pretty well so i'm sure i'm sure we'll have people clamoring to, to apply here before, before i actually long. think we will have a lot of folks who want this but truthfully yeah uh if you look across the landscape of kansas you know yeah we've had some a slight population decrease in the city although the counties had a little uptick. Um, we're in a pretty good place economically. Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing some things right compared to some of our peer cities. I mean, I think there's a real opportunity here. I, I'll say this too. Um, someone asked me like, what kind of person do you want in terms of experience or age? And, and I need someone with experience, but I'm also not looking for someone who's on their last job. Right, yeah. I, I, I'm perfectly happy if we find somebody who's right there in the middle who says, you know, I'd love to come to Topeka and maybe I'll stay here for 10 years or maybe after five years it's 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 an avenue to a bigger job to which i say great if that's your motivation (laughs) to make us such a wonderful city so that you can say in five years i'd rather go to now to move on to a big midwestern city like a chicago great i'm okay with that because it means you worked really hard and invested a lot in my community to do some wonderful things so you know i want someone who wants to be here but i also want someone who has a motivation to help this city not just um well, great. I've had a lot great life, and maybe this can be my retirement gig. You sure. know? <laughs> That's right. not what we need. <laughs> right. Well, there's you know, there's all kinds of excitement. As we talked about before, all kinds of excitement and, and, and things happening and so many possibilities. You know, we're, we're kind of poised right now at this place where there's lots of different ways we can go and lots of opportunities. And so I mean, it's a, if anyone out there is listening in, it's an exciting time to be in Topeka uh, right now. So, yeah, I think what better time to, to take a new gig like that than right now? Yeah, so I'm, I, I think uh, getting applicants uh, will be less hard than weeding through those applicants and making sure we're, we're identifying the right person. Absolutely. Well, you know, of course, another another big issue that will be coming up here uh, right before long, is, you know, is entering, of course, the, the budget process, everyone's favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, the city's actually, you know, we've been in a pretty healthy financial position um, in this last year, even in spite of, of COVID and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, if you look to the future, you know, what are some of those priorities you think the council is going to be looking at um, when you start thinking about the budget? 
Well, you know, we always focus on the, the big three that people really want, and which continues to be roads and infrastructure. Public safety is always a top priority. I mean, th- those are always our top two. Mm-hmm. Um, they also take up most of the budget. So right. conveniently, in terms of actual dollars, we're spending them. I know it doesn't always feel like it to some folks, but we really are actually spending the majority of our dollars in those, in those areas. Um, you know, I think we then have to balance where we spend some of those others and and things like quality of life and what is defined as quality of life you know it's not just the zoo right right which we it's 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 not just tpac and the zoo it's it's a lot of other things um that bring people here and when you talk to companies or people who want to move here roads and schools and and those things are important but they also say what else is there to do around here so we have to balance how much do we invest in those types of things versus fixing curbs and sidewalks yeah Um, We are using a different budgeting process this year. We are going to what they call outcome-based budgeting, Mm. which is somewhat revolutionary. Now, the city of Baltimore has been using it for 20 years, and it has been amazing what they've been able to accomplish, and some other cities use it too. But what it'll do is, and it'll take a few years for people to really, for me even, to understand. Because <laughs> when you change these processes, you got to get you, your mindset to it. But yeah. um, it will actually attach outcomes to what we're spending. So it will help us decide, okay, this isn't just a line item. What is the purpose of this line item? And is it meeting its purpose? And if it's not meeting its purpose, why? Where's the fault? Are we spending the money in the wrong area? Or are we doing something on the other end to not spend the money properly? And there will be some actual metrics used through this process to provide us that, as opposed to just, here's a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet, figure it out. Sure. Um, It's a little scary, I think, for department heads because it's, it's a total shift in their thinking yeah. um, and how they present their budgets. And it could lead to some changes, fundamental changes within departments where we say, for instance, to a department, I'm not going to take away resources from you after analyzing this, but I think we need to reallocate them to a different part of your department. Mm. Um, and so that's that can be scary for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> change is, change is kind of is kind of like that. But I, I'm actually very optimistic about it, and I think it will help not just the council members as we take a vote, but help the public see more of where dollars are spent and help us all take a look at, is it really the right areas? Sure. Uh, but it's going to be an adjustment. We're going to look at these forms <laughs> and we're going to say, whoa, there's a lot of bubbles and boxes. and <laughs> Right, not the way you're used to looking at a budget. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I think one of the coolest things they've had going on now for the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, they've had this process where you know, you've had these committees that where citizens have had a chance to be on these committees along with council members and city staff to really kind of give their input and really kind of dig into to some of these numbers, which I think is pretty cool. They have, and, and we had 20-plus people in all of those, and I think they just did, or they're doing this pretty soon, their last one kind of as a collective with everybody who participated. Uh, we all as council members put up some names and different people from our districts to make sure that every district was represented in those so it wasn't just dominated by one part of the city, sure. um, and that was important. And and we really will do have people looking at the results of those conversations to bring to us to say, this is what came out of it. This really is what people want us to focus on. Listen, you know, we, yeah. we didn't be- believe it or not. We didn't just hold these four hour meetings <laughs> just so we could say, ha oh, well, thanks for nothing. We, right. we legit, at least some of us legitimately are very interested and it will that process 100 percent will be used as we work through this outcome based budgeting process to look at uh, metrics and how we gauge whether a program's working or not. 
That's awesome. That's yeah. What a it's it's good. It will be fun. To, of course, I say it's fun for me because I'm not the one that has to actually make these decisions. Right. But you know, it's, it'll be fun to see how it plays out. <laughs> the toughest working people on this have been our finance staff. Oh sure. And we've even got some folks, some some interns and college folks who are very smart who we've brought in. I mean, because this is changing all the budgeting process. Because and this year, especially this first year, they're going to present the budget the old way. And oh, the new gosh. way. So there's like the <laughs> so we can all grasp our heads yeah. around what we're looking at. So God bless our finance department because this has really been uh, a chore for them. But I really think it's gonna kind of benefit everybody. Absolutely. Hey, we might we might set a trend too. If there's other cities around the, the state I hope so. that there's I catch not, on. There's not many that do it. I mean, I really feel like this is one of those things that Topeka is ahead of the curve on. Yeah. And the cities that are using it have absolutely uh, benefited from it and can show you pretty good results in terms of how they've structured, restructured, and changed the way they've done business to some degree. Yeah. And so I'm I'm excited that our finance team came to us and said, we want to take this on. We're ready to do this. And, and we all as a council, after hearing about it and meeting with them, said, great, let's do it. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, of course, before we let you get out here, we have, of course, we have one fun question that we want to have before we, uh, before we let you go. Yeah, we interviewed Chef Adam earlier on the show tonight, and of course, he's all about cocktails and man's a genius when it comes to to those things and so that, that got us thinking uh, about things you know if we if we were going to make a cocktail that reflected Topeka uh, what do you think it would be what what ingredients would it have what would it include well you know Topeka is the land where it's good to grow potatoes right oh yeah so I would take a, I guess today we rightfully so, a non-Russian potato <laughs> vodka. Right. And I would either make it as some kind of potato vodka martini or I prefer a potato vodka tonic with a nice. little bit of lime, lemon, and a little bit of citrus in there. But see, if you use a potato vodka, you're yeah. very much in the in the realm of what Topeka, the essence of what Topeka means. Oh, I like that. All right, Adam, if you're I, listening out there, there you go. There's a new idea. <laughs> I still think I should copyright this. In right. fact, this is, I'm telling the world right now, I'm copywriting this, back off. <laughs> and, I, uh, the, you know, we've got the Topeka Tropics that are about to kick off, and yeah. I wish them all the luck. I'm going to go to games. I hope it's a great success. I see submitted a name and I still think any team that comes here the old hockey team should have been named it we need someone needs to call their team the Screamin' Taters the Topeka Screamin' Taters it's a great name it's nice and aggressive for sports you could have a great logo and a really great mascot so I want the Topeka Screamin' Taters I have the best metal images in my head right now just so you know but they didn't pick mine they went with the Tropics so that's okay I did submit that. If we have, if we look into another another team that comes to Topeka, keep that dream alive. That's, a, that's, good, right. that's a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Spencer, thanks again for, for hanging out with us. Anytime. Glad to do it. And as people know, if they ever have any questions, whether in my role as deputy mayor or just on the council, I'm, I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. So Absolutely. check me out. Harass me anytime. Absolutely. Hey, you heard him here, folks. So if you see him out and about, make sure to stop by and give him a hard time. If you That's see right. him out and about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. After the break, we will wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the night. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio.
Alrighty, everyone, it is time to finish things off as we always do with our take action moment of the night and a look at the week ahead in state and local government. Uh, so first action item to know about on the city side, you may have seen on the city's social media this last week that March 1st marked the official start of road construction season for the city. I know, I too have already been rerouted by some orange cones in the last week. One important reminder, though, when it comes to road work, if you haven't already downloaded the city's C-Click Fix app, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, right after the fireworks I mentioned earlier in the show um, and the Gage Park Mini Train, our third favorite thing to do in Topeka is complain about potholes. Well, with the C-Click Fix app, you can actually take a picture of a pothole um, or other uh, road uh, issue that you see out there. You can note its location, you can report it to the city, and then the city will send you a response, send you updates, and actually send someone out to uh, fix uh, that item that you reported. Um, it's true, many folks have been surprised that this actually does work. You actually do hear from city staff. Um, the app is a super convenient way to also find out information on city government. You can find out how to pay your bills on there. You can even see the, the schedule for the city st street sweeper uh, on the app. It's pretty amazing. The other cool thing is you can actually see other reports that people made with the app so you can see other road conditions, uh, potholes, things like that that people have reported and then see the status of those repairs. I'm, I'm telling y'all, this app is way cool. Um, so again, it's you go to your app store on either your, your uh, Apple product or your Android phone and search for C-Click Fix Topeka um, and then download it for free right there. It's pretty slick. Uh, next up, just a save the date for Wednesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m. Uh, the city is going to be holding a public meeting uh, that night to get input from the public on what the criteria should look like for those ARPA grants that we've been talking about. Uh, remember, the city is planning on saving back about $10 million of their American Rescue Plan money uh, that they're going to receive to use for grants to social service agencies in our community. Uh, so on the 23rd at 6 p.m., they're having an open meeting where people can give their feedback on what the qualifi qualifications and criteria for those grants uh, should be. So if you have a vested interest in, in that outcome or just want to know what's going on, I encourage you to, to stop by that meeting on March 23rd um, at 6 p.m., which will be held at the Holiday Building downtown. Uh, as for a look at the week ahead, remember, of course, tomorrow night, Tuesday night um, at 6 p.m. is our next city council meeting. Uh, the council is going to continue their discussion of the process for choosing the search firm um, for the city manager. Um, they will also hear an annual report from the city's Human Relations Commission. Um, this is actually a great way to learn more about the commission's work. They have a really important job to when it comes to building equity in our city government. Uh, so you can hear a report from them tomorrow night. Uh, and of course, as always, the council meeting will be televised live at 6 p.m. on uh, Public Access Channel 4. And it will also be uh, live broadcast on the city's Facebook page um, as well. Looking ahead at things happening in the Kansas legislature this week, uh, we have to put a plug in for this very, very cool project that shows that students' education can start at any age. Uh, on Thursday, the House, Fed, and State Affairs Committee is hearing a bill to designate the Sand Hill Plum as the official state fruit of the state of Kansas. Uh, the bill is actually a result of the input and hard work of elementary school uh, kids across the state. Uh, it all started with the fourth graders at Sabetha Elementary School. They found out that Kansas doesn't actually have an official state fruit, and so they decided they were going to find one for us. Uh, they did research. They heard from agriculture experts in the state, and eventually they narrowed down uh, their choices 
choices to a couple choices of native-grown Kansas fruits. Uh, but that wasn't all, though. Their teacher then reached out to elementary schools around the state to get their input um, on what the state fruit should be. There was an essay contest involved, and there was a vote. There's some really adorable pictures of kids out there lining up to vote at their schools. And all of that eventually led to kids deciding on the Sand Hill Plum as the official state fruit of the state of Kansas. You guys, this is the coolest thing. It makes my nerdy heart smile in so many ways. Uh, so best of luck to you kids with your bill this Thursday. We will watch that with great interest. Uh, the House will have some other interesting bills coming up this week. Uh, tomorrow, the House Ag Committee will hear a bill that essentially would require any what's called meat analog product uh, to add some qualifying language on their label to indicate that it's not really meat. Uh, so this is things like the Beyond Meat products, all those like meat substitute things that are out there now uh, that the ag industry in the state doesn't really take too kindly to. Uh, their products would need to contain some language um, on a label that says something like meat-free or does not contain meat or something that specifically calls out the fact that the product is not actually meat. That's a big, that's that's, that's really important to the beef industry uh, in the state. Uh, also tomorrow, the House Taxation Committee will be taking up a bill that would actually provide a sales tax exemption for over-the-counter medication. That's uh, so another interesting piece of legislation that's up amongst many others uh, this week in the House. Um, on the Senate side, this Thursday, Senate Public Health and Welfare is holding a, a hearing on a bill uh, that seeks to make, quote, any able-bodied adult without dependence um, have to submit to an employment and job training program prior to getting their SNAP benefits. And it would require agencies cross-check to verify people aren't trying to double-dip when asking for public assistance. It would also require state agencies to post the results of any fraud investigations they do on their public assistance to post those results uh, publicly. Uh, the Senate's Assessment and Taxation Committee will also be very busy this week. Uh, one of the bills they are holding a hearing on is another constitutional amendment. Uh, this one would require a legislative supermajority of votes to pass bills that would create new taxes or to raise existing ones. Uh, Senate Education will also be holding hearings on a number of bills this week, um, including bills that would allow students uh, to transfer and attend schools anywhere in the state, regardless of where they live. Um, and another one that would actually require school districts to reimburse teachers for any supplies they purchased on their own. Um, and of course, who knows what else uh, will come up this week, as has been shown throughout the rest of the legislative session. You just never know what will happen on any given week. Uh, just a reminder, you can watch all Kansas legislative proceedings on the legislature's YouTube page, which includes both their hearings and four sessions. And folks, that is our it for our show tonight. Thank you for listening as always. Make sure to follow us on social media if you don't already. Um, on Facebook, we're just Ballads and Brews. On Twitter, it's at Ballots Brews. And of course, we live tweet our episodes um, on there as well. Um, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss our episodes when they get uploaded there. Um, and if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review um, on those channels as well. Um, so, folks, until next week, please, please, please stay safe, drink some good beer, and we'll see you here uh, next week on Ballots and Brews here on 785 Live Radio.